Apologize for the um, startups, but I'm trying to figure out. Sometimes the recording goes to my camera phone, um, says to the camera log, and sometimes it doesn't. And also, I didn't have this, my headphones connected, so I had to fix that. So today is episode six of Tech Is Not Neutral. It's early because the holiday weekend has started, and I want to make sure that I'm enjoying myself, so I won't be doing this tomorrow. I'll be celebrating my birthday with my family. So I wanted to make sure, because I didn't do one last week because I was um, processing some things. And so I wanted to make sure I got one in this week because um, I really enjoy doing these. So welcome to um, Tech is Not Neutral Part 6. And I'm at a Starbucks, so it's kind of loud because actually I'm, I'm with my family in the country and there is no internet. So I had to drive 30 miles to get to the nearest Starbucks to do this video for you. So <laughs> this is how committed I am. So the first article is um, that we're going to talk about today is um, it's from Fast Company. It's tech workers organized protest against um, Pelinter on the GitHub, GitHub coding platform. So if all goes as planned, sometime. So this is an older article. This was um, usually I just do the week, but since I missed last week, this was on the 11th. Um, all those plans, something this weekend, um, Palantir, the data mining unicorn startup expected to go public later this year at a valuation of as much as $41 billion. This, this, this tech is, is so used to playing with play money. It's just so, it's, it's mind blowing. It'll be the target of a no, novel um, digital protest designed to incite Pelotaires, engineers to rise up against their bosses. So I actually would like to know if anybody has any um, feedback on how that um, that that um, uh, advocacy or demonstration um, panned out because it says hatched by a group called the, so this is the Tech Workers Coalition. The plan calls for organized waves of digital protesters to post a prepared message to Palantir's uh, GitHub board normally used to flag and fix software bugs. Instead, the tech glitches, um, instead of tech glitches, these uh, messages aim to, tar to tackle a bigger problem, the allegations that Palantir's software has been used to used in used to aid the deportations of families and migrant workers at the Mexican border by Immigration and Customs Enforcement, so ICE. Um, the call is for a protest that started, um, it was on May 11th. So um, if you know that, about that, please tag me so I can add that to the stream because that's um, very important. And so this again is showing how um, tech workers are um, are trying to organize or and calling, hold, trying to hold their employers um, accountable for the products and services they use and how they're using them. Um, and so that goes into um, the, the, this article that is, and it was by points on Medium, Silicon Valley's nationalism technology is distorting reality and reshaping narratives. So it, this is was on um, May 8th. Um, on May 10th, Uber will debut um, on the stock exchange as a publicly traded company value 
and upwards of $91 billion. The company is asking the public to lay and lay investors to set aside the fact that they are, that is an unprofitable ride hill company that lost $1.8 billion last year and instead believe that it is the future of transportation. Technology isn't just disrupting how we work and how we get around, it's distorting reality and shaping narratives. And I want to get into this because um, one of the things I often talk about is so many of these companies are only able to do what they're doing because they're not profitable, but they get so much money in IPOs and venture capital money that they're just spending. Um, but this is the part that, that I want to talk about. This is the same company that, along with Lyft, insists that it's not, a it's not in the transportation business because it's a technology company. Both companies argue that they are therefore not obligated to provide accessible services under the uh, Americans with Disability Act, unlike their competitors in the transportation business. Uber's ambitions to be the future of transportation excludes its potential obligations under existing laws. Uber's logic is part of a wider pattern of using technology to sow doubt in how we name what is easily observable. Facebook, for example, monitors users' posts to detect indications of suicidal behavior and then um, stages interventions such as calls of police. However, by refusing to call these um, healthcare or potential practicing medicine, Facebook, Facebook is able to play by a different set of rules, like running experimental health research algorithms on unwanted, on unwitting users. What I've seen through four years of research with um, Uber drivers across US, U.S. and Canada is how much technology disrupts a shared set of facts that and understandings. Uber looks like a taxi company, but it sidesteps regulation designed for transportation companies by self-identifying as a technology company. While Uber promotes drivers as entrepreneurs and classifies them as in, uh, independent contractors, I found that drivers have do have a boss, an algorithmic one. The control that emanates from a faceless boss is often hard to pin down but the effects are evident. For Uber drivers, the technology is being used to exclude workers from the benefits they would be entitled to if they were employees like a minimum wage. And these are the things that um, I, I, I like to bring up and keep drumming and drumming and drumming is because we have, we as a community have allowed technology companies to be whatever we say they are and it's now, years later, we're seeing the, the harm and the detriment to, um, to, to what the communities or the industries we're, say we're disrupting. So, yes, when Uber and Lyft first came out, they were disrupting taxis. Taxis were most, every, every taxi experience I had, not every, most taxi experience I had it was hit or miss. The car could be nasty, the person could be rude, they could be on the phone, all kinds of stuff. And so it disrupted it because it, it, it forced these taxi companies to take a look at their quality of service. That I love, but what I don't like is when you use this model to marginalize people. Um, I actually tried Uber for a week and realized when I did the math that if you're not constantly driving, you would never make any money off this. 
Um, and then you're not an independent contractor. You're working for the company. So um, these are things we really need to have serious conversations about. So the next article, it's actually a podcast. It's early libertarian dreams of a free internet didn't work out as planned. In the early days of the web, many thinkers envisioned a digital world free from government control, and now corporations have taken over. And so this is a podcast that I'm just going to drop in, but there's an article that is attached called The End of Cyberspace that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But this is, um, there, are two, there are two historians on this podcast. Um, one talks about the tech industry's long-time aversion to organized labor and how it's crushing, it's clashing the, and that how that's clashing with recent worker actions to at major tech companies like Uber and, uh, and, and um, Google. And then the other one is the end of cyberspace. He wrote the, this gentleman wrote this article, article, the end of cyberspace, that which I will link in the um, thread where he argues that the 90s dream of an unregulated internet is starting to fade. Um, and I wanna just read you a bit of what I got from there. So he it talks about how um, this utopian idea of, you know, the internet was gonna demarketize everything, everybody's gonna be equal, it's gonna go from government to corporate to individuals. And it talks about um, what I highlighted was, this is, this is what it looks like because um, he was talking about um, how Facebook was doing stuff and, and, and Amazon is doing stuff. And, and so he's like, this is what it looks like when the pendulum, when you like to watch a pendulum fall apart. A excuse me, a paradigm fall apart. Cyberspace was a way of thinking about a radical, the radical changes brought about by the internet. It gave the internet companies, regular people, odd collectives, weird technologies, and other entities space to create something transnational, individualist, and largely unregulated and free, um, as in speech and sometimes <laughs> in a beer. Okay, that was in um, parentheses. But over time, cyberspace became dominated by a few large companies. Governments realized their laws were being um, circumvented every time the model of a global interconnected society that did not need regulation or interference by bureaucrats simply did not work. So they're talking about how, you know, um, so that's what that article's about. Um, and I really like that because it, it, we really need to, this is what we continue to see, this utopian, we see it with Jack, we see it with Zuck, uh, we see it with, uh, with Elon, you know, this all, everybody's equal, but everybody's fucking not equal. This is, um, to, to run these companies the way they are, you have to have networks, you have to have access to capital, you have to have people who could do it, but also they were left alone by governments um, and not regulated. And I get it, but they're no longer disruptive um, and it's causing harm. So there's the question about that because again, Utopia for white men is not the same as utopia for um, people from marginalized and most vulnerable communities. So that's another um, where that does not balance out. And then I thought this was interesting because it says uh, Mark Zuckerberg, this is a um, Quartz at Work uh, article. Mark Zuckerberg has never had a boss and that's uh, made Facebook dangerous. And so what I highlighted there was not much has changed. On, so his, um, a few weeks ago, um, his, one of his co-founders was saying, um, 
who is no longer there. Saying how it needs to be broken up, it needs to be, he needs to be um, taking the task. And so it says, outside of a couple of years in co college, Mark had never had a real boss and seemed entirely in, uninterested in, in the prospect. Not much has changed on that account. Facebook is a public company now that, and it has a board of directors, but Zuckerberg, who serves as board chair, still controls around 60% of the voting shares. This setup effectively reduces the power of the board that to, to that of an advisory body. Nor does Zuckerberg answer to government overseers who have largely left the internet uh, an unregulated playground, as I was just talking about. All these years, Zuckerberg has never had to worry about, worry much about accountability, and that helps explain the weakness, his weakness as a leader, which have in turn led Facebook to his current current um, mess. So I wanted to bring this up because I have um, um, my clients, and what we're doing. I had a meeting with one this morning, and we were talking about. Um, they're really no job descriptions, and we, they really don't even have job description at the C-level, um, particularly in something that I think is essential for every company, and that is a um, chief operating officer. And so he, I had him doing some um, homework on that and figuring out what that role would be and, um, and articulating that. And it was interesting how um, the things that I had to push back on him in his reading were things like, um, you should start a company. A CEO is something you think about later. I mean, COO is something you think about later. You start a company with the CEO, and definitely, you know, we're in tech, the CTO, and, and marketing, but you don't think you, you bring in the COO later. And that's just crazy to me because effective scaling requires processes, procedures, and policies. And it requires someone who can see that that role is supposed to take the vision of the CEO and operationalize that so that every other department has a way of measuring, knowing, um, um, measuring success, measuring failures, having conversations about that. It helps you scale because you're not um, reinventing uh, the wheel every single time. All these things, and to, for tech, because for tech to actually say this is something that comes later is absolutely mind blowing. But what got me also was that one of the articles said that CEO is a position that you want to over time um, 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 automate out. How the I'm just like COO is the one department that is is touches everybody, everybody, um, and is the human side of a business. But it's so typical of tech to want to extrapolate out the human side and automate that and make and think that's the easier thing to do when it is absolutely not. You do not automate out a COO. A COO is there with the CEO um, to help articulate and operationalize the core values, the, the initiatives, everything that, again, the CEO has the vision the CEO has to operationalize it so that every other C-level manager or whatever knows where to go. The CEO helps to, let me put it this way, a CEO has a map in his idea, the CEO, COO draws the map. CEO knows where we're going, COO draws the map to get there. So, oh, I don't know, it just popped in my head. So this is like a Google Maps. You know where you're going. That's the CEO. 
the CEO, the COO is the route to get there. And so, you know, when you get in your Google Maps, it says, do you want to take this route? Do you want to take that route? Do you want to take this route? Or when you're on a route, it says, oh, there's an accident ahead or there's a shorter route. Do you want to take that? That's what the COO does. It cannot be extrapolated out because things happen during the course of a day, of a month, of a year that need to be addressed. So please. Ugh. But that is um, it's, it's interesting that... Um, what, what people see in, that's why I don't focus on, except for here, because these are the big cases, these are the people what people are reporting on. I don't care much about Facebook and, and Twitter and, and LinkedIn and all, because they're going to do what they're going to do, but there are so many smaller companies who want to be successful, who don't have the funds, the capital, the networks that these big guys have, um, and who, if they don't get this right, will fail. So that's, those are the people I'm passionate about. Um, here's a, oh, this is a good one. Um, this is from, uh, this is actually an older one. It's from March 7th, but I wanted to share this. Zuckerberg, Facebook is building a machine to read your thoughts. And it, according to the C, to CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, I hope you can hear me because they're filming and everything else. Facebook aims to access information about its users, not just through their smartphones and computers, but directly from their brains as well. In a recent interview at Harvard University, the Harvard Law School professor, um, to, to a Harvard Law School professor, Zuckerberg bragged about the technology the social giant is working on that could one day allow users to navigate menus and even type using their brains alone. When this professor challenged Zuckerberg on the evasive invasiveness and ethical implications of a Facebook mind-reading machine, the Silicon Valley CEO had a simple answer. Presumably, this would be something that someone would choose to use as a product. Oh my God, how, many, how much of if our information and things that we, that Facebook and Twitter have taken from us and just, like even with the update, every time you have an update, they, everything is switched on, so now you have to go back in and switch everything off that you don't want to share, because um, by default it's turned on. I love how they just make this, oh, you would think everybody's gonna, you know, they'll, they'll just opt into this crap. Boy, oh boy, the, the ego. Um, this is interesting. This is from our, uh, May 23rd. Facebook removes a record 2.2 billion fake accounts. Let me say that again. 2.2 billion fake accounts in the first quarter of this year. This is in the first quarter. Facebook said it removed 2.2 fake accounts in the first quarter, a record that shows how the company is battling the avalanche of bad actors trying to undermine the authenticity of the world's largest social network. In the final quarter of 2018, Facebook dis, dis, dismember, um, disabled, um, dismembered, Lord have mercy, disabled just more than a billion fake accounts. And again, so this, but this time last year, they only disabled uh, five, 538 million. So they went from 538 million um, disabled to a year later, 2.2 billion accounts that they um that they um, had to um de 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 deactivate and so he, he they give this thing they're saying um the larger quantities of fake accounts are driven by spammers who are constantly trying to evade the system they look also shared a new metrics uh, um, uh, metric on Tuesday, the number of posts removed that were promoting and engaging in drug and firearm sales. Facebook made 
uh, pulled more than uh, 1.5 billion of those again in the first three months of this year. Um, and so it's just, it's just really, it's just really interesting. So this last part I wanted to read the amount of capital. So he's now talking about the amount of capital because now they're putting resources towards this. The amount of capital we are able to invest in all the safety systems that go into what we're talking about today. Our budget in 2019 is greater than the whole revenue of our company in the first year before we went public in 2012. You know. Um, so it takes a, and that's that's the that's the thing. It takes a lot of money to do this, and these companies have shied away with, away from spending the resources to, get, to do this stuff right. Okay, so there's this article. Oh boy, it's about Snapchat and how um, employees Snapchat employees abuse data access to spy on users, multiple sources, and emails also describe SnapLion, an internal tool used by various departments to access Snapchat user data. So I had to post this on my Facebook yesterday, and I'm still on Facebook because my friends and family are still on Facebook. Um, and this is a, just an easy way to get in contact with them, but I don't do much on there. But I do did post this yesterday because I find that so many um, people who are not in the technical space have too much trust in these tech companies. Um, they have too much trust in that um, what they say they're going to do, they're going to do, like supposed to be um, um, Snapchat, things are supposed to be gone after 24 hours. Well, this thing right here says they can go and get that information, and we know that. We know absolutely that there's no such thing as um, being deleted from the Internet. Um, so it says, although Snap has introduced strict, ac strict access and controls to users' data and takes abuse and user privacy very seriously, according to several sources, the news highlights something that many users may forget. Behind the products we use every day, there are people who access, with access to highly sensitive um, um, consumer data who needed to perform essential work um, on the service. But without proper protections in place, those same people may abuse it to spy on users um, to uh, private information and profiles. Because this Snap Lion thing is a, it's an app they have or a platform they have that um, enables them to um, give, if they have a subpoena uh, or something like that, so they are able to give information to um, law enforcement. And so, but there have been employees inside of Snapchat who access this database or this data, this information without it having to have anything to do with law enforcement. So um, we really need to be talking about this to our friends and family because we know good and well that we, when and I've said this several times and I'll continue to say this, when we install a new app and there's an option between sign up with Google, sign up with Facebook, sign up with Twitter, sign up with email, you know good and damn well we're going to sign up with email because we don't want that cross-pollination. But our friends and family don't know that, so they just, because it's the easiest thing to do, they don't have to remember another password. It's just so much easier, so they'll just do that. But that is a problem because if they can access your Snapchat information and it's connected to something else, that they can access that too. Um, they, may be, they may be able to get into that system as well. Um, and so... They, and I talked about this last time, how Amazon has the most information on everybody because it, of the different platforms that are connected to each other. They know what we read, they know what we watch, they know what we buy. 
They know um, if you have Nest, they know they have access to your Internet of Things, your smart connected home, all of this stuff. Um, and that's pretty scary to me. And so um, so this one last art, oh, what article is about um, CrossFit. So CrossFit Inc. suspends use of Facebook and associated properties. And so um, for those who don't know about CrossFit, it's, it's a um, um, workout regime. I'm just going to call it that because I don't want to put any, because people call it a cult. People call it say everything, uh, all these things about um, um, CrossFit. But it is what it is. It's, it's like Zumba. It's like all these other things. And so... Um, Recently, Facebook deleted without warning. So they have. They also talk about supplements and stuff like that. So recently, Facebook deleted without warning explanation the, um, this this meal plan. Um, it was a user group, and the user group had 1.65 million users who posted testimonials and whatever in this thing. And so, um, and it was about low carb, high fat diets. So while the site has substantially uh, been reinstated, also without warning or explanation, Facebook's actions um, should give any serious person reason to pause, especially with the regards and um, activities contrary to prevailing opinions. So they're just so they have. I just want to read you a list of things that they have concerns about because I don't want to get in more into this. Um, it says Facebook and its properties host and oversee a significant share of the market share of the marketplace of public thought to millions of individuals and communities around the world. Facebook and its properties remain the platforms where ideas and information are exchanged. Facebook thus serves as a de facto authority over the public space, arbitrating a wide worldwide exchange of information, as well as overseeing the security of the individuals and communities who entrust their ideas, work, and private data. Um, to to this platform. This mandates a certain responsibility and ensures good faith, transparency, and due process. So here's some here's the, the complaints that they have. One, Facebook collects and aggregates users' information and shares it with state and federal authorities as well as security organizations from other countries. Two, Facebook collaborates with government security agencies on massive citizen surveillance um, programs such as PRISM um, as a program called PRISM. Three, Facebook censors and remove user, removes users' accounts based on unknown criteria and at the request of third parties, including government and foreign government agencies. Four, Facebook collects, aggregates, and sells users' information as a matter of business. It's a business, its business model allows governments and businesses alike to use um, its algorithmically conjectured advertising criteria as sophisticated data mining and surveillance tools. Five, Facebook um, news feeds are censored and crafted to reflect the political um, leanings of Facebook utopian socialists while remaining vulnerable to misinformation campaigns designed to stir up violence and prejudice. Six, Facebook, is, as a matter of business and principle, has weak intellectual property protections and is slow to close down IP threat accounts. Seven, Facebook has poor security protocols and has been subject to the largest security breaches of user data in history. And finally, eight, Facebook is acting in the service of food and beverage Oh, okay, so this is their main part. Um, Facebook is acting in the service of food and beverage industry interests by deleting the accounts of communities that have identified the corrupted 
um, nutritional science responsibility of unchecked global chronic disease. In this, it follows the principle, the practices of uh, Wikipedia and other private platforms that host public content, but retain the ability to remove in silence without the opportunity for real debate and appeal information and perspectives outside the narrow scope and belief and thought. In this case, the approved perspectives has resulted in the deaths of millions through preventable diseases. Facebook is thus complicit in the global chronic disease crisis. So that's what that article is. And the last thing I wanted to share before I leave was I did a thread yesterday, and it was I really want to thank the people who helped out on this thread because um, as we were working to, for a more inclusive environment, we really need to be mindful of what we, the words we use. Um, and so I created a post yesterday that says, which are is a more inclusive term? Which is a more inclusive term? Women slash men or female slash? I mean, women slash men or female slash male? And I said, share your insights below. And so I'm going to drop that in because it's a lot of valuable resources and information and, um, that people shared about how we navigate pronouns, how we navigate non-binary communities, how we uh, be more inclusive of trans men, and. Um, and such. So with that, I'll say goodbye to you. I'm, I'm excited about spending time with my family over this holiday weekend and uh, have a great day. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this special episode of the Hashtag Called the Scene podcast. I would like once again to give thanks to the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist, Professor Ibram X. Kendi. Learn more about his work at his website at ibramxkendi.com. Please consider becoming an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call the Scene movement by visiting the website at Hashtag Call the scene.com. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.